This is the World Industrial News for Thursday, October 13th, brought to you by Industrial Info Resources of Sugarland, Texas. This newscast is sponsored by Aviva. Listen to part two of their podcast, How to Leverage the U.S. Infrastructure Bill to Modernize the U.S. Power Grid. Well, the, the reason I broke it down into three reasons is that the grid's a very complex thing. It's, it's all connected together. So an uh, earthquake in Southern California can cause a power plant in Utah to, to die. So I wanted to break it down into really simple what we have to do. Resiliency means we have to be able to withstand very large nonlinear events. Those today are primarily the weather. They could be wildfires, earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, could be any of those. Resiliency is the term used in the industry that says we need to operate as best we can through these large nonlinear events. The second thing is we have to be able to get the power from where it's generated to where it is used. Most of the ideas behind sustainability is we're going to use more renewable power. The renewable power is primarily, in this country, solar and wind. The great resources for solar and wind don't happen to be in the cities. So somehow we have to get that power from places like Western Kansas to Seattle. The third thing is that we simply can't operate the way we always have. In the past, a lot of the stability comes from over-design. But in the new world, we have limited resources and we have to use a bare minimum of those. The most powerful tool we have available is new technology. And that's why I broke it down into basically three different buckets. Perfect. Thank you, Pat. That definitely lays a foundation for this discussion, and it opens the door for for many questions, I'm sure. Mona, can you talk to us about the infrastructure bill, the breakdown, you know, what it contains, what it means for utilities throughout the U.S.? Absolutely, Megan. Um, And before I do so, I'd love to take a moment and step back and just appreciate this historic moment in time. Uh, The last time we had an infrastructure bill of this magnitude was likely under FDR, the New Deal. And so we are looking at $1.2 trillion in total spending. That's $550 billion in new spending, new spending that addresses many of the issues that, that Pat just outlined. Um, And when we're thinking about infrastructure, the definition of infrastructure has expanded greatly in our time. It used to just mean roads, bridges, highways. And now this infrastructure bill encompasses transportation, transit, energy, water sectors, uh, the utility uh, grid, and also thinking about environmental uh, environmental elements um, that are part of our uh, overall national infrastructure. To hear the full podcast, search for IIR's Industry Today podcast on your favorite podcast provider. 
U.S. capacity to produce the lithium-ion batteries necessary to support the growing market for electric vehicles could improve by five-fold in a few short years, the Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas found. China and Europe so far eclipsed the United States in terms of the number of electric vehicles on the road, but the gap is narrowing. The Inflation Reduction Act offers $4,000 in rebates toward the purchase of an electric vehicle, charging stations are becoming more ubiquitous and the number of models available is increasing. On one hand, changes in demand may cause changes in total oil and natural gas production, see 2020 as an example, but increases in per well production march on. This is according to a report from the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Since the start of the shale revolution in 2010, when horizontal wells with increasingly long laterals began to expose more producing zones to well bores, the average production from each well has stayed on the upward path. This is a major opportunity. A 2019 Penn State report states that more than half of U.S. production comes from shale plays. It adds that with total reserves totaling 35 billion barrels, even a 1% increase in production rates would generate huge returns. By 2021, says the EIA report, each new well drilled in the Permian Basin was producing an average of 960 barrels of oil equivalent per day. The U.S. and Venezuela continue to mend their ties in search of oil and sanctions relief. The latest rapprochement between the nations occurred this month after Caracas freed seven U.S. citizens detained in Venezuela in exchange for the release of two Venezuelans from the U.S. Among the detained in Caracas were five Citco Petroleum Corporation oil executives, Venezuela's refiner in the U.S. This exchange represented a goodwill gesture between the governments following months of negotiations. The turn in U.S. policy came after the Ukraine war led to an international energy crisis with prices hitting new highs. Venezuela's vast oil and gas reserves and the possibility of increasing oil production in the near to mid-term have sparked the White House's incentives to mend its relations with the South American neighbor. And as a large portion of the world seeks to rein in emissions generated by the power industry, nuclear power as a possibility for potential emissions-free baseload power is gaining ground. Two firms are seeking to capitalize on this renewed interest by agreeing to purchase nuclear equipment manufacturer Westinghouse Electric Company. Uranium miner Cameco Corporation and Brookfield Renewable Partners LP have agreed to pay $7.9 billion for the company, including debt, giving Westinghouse a $4.5 billion equity value. Cometco will take a 49% stake, while Brookfield will have 51%. For details on these and other breaking news, read the full stories at www.industrialinfo.com. I'm Peggy Tuck, reporting for Industrial Info News.